Shopping for a new or used car in the Treasure Valley doesn't have to be hard, and it doesn't even have to be in person. At Volkswagen of Boise, you can stop by and look at the inventory, chat with the friendly sales team, and kick the tires if that's your jam. Or if you're more of the online type, check out what they have to offer at www.volkswagenofboise.com. The great thing about Volkswagen of Boise is that they're a non-commission team, so there's no pressure at all. Also, they have a ridiculously hilarious social media feed. So even if you aren't in need of a car right now, follow along just for fun. You know you can trust Volkswagen of Boise as they are the main sponsor of the Boise Bubble podcast, which would indicate they have some extremely intelligent people making the decisions over there. This is the Boise Bubble podcast. Welcome back to the conversation. So we were wrapping up the podcast. Think, and we think about you, Amos. You're an interesting guy. Well, thank you. Yeah, but I think it's mainly because you're very. <sighs> okay, I make uh, no sense. All right, you're a middle-aged white guy. Mm-hmm. You're a Jew. Mm-hmm. You're Republican. Yes, and you're gay, and you're in Idaho. Mm-hmm. And a foodie, and a comedian. And a foodie, and yeah. a comedian. The cat dad. <laughs> a cat dad. Yes. Okay. Are you a plant daddy too? <sighs> I've killed I've killed all my plant okay, kids. Okay, so not yeah. a plant daddy, but no. all the other things. I'd love to be. I'm an aspiring plant daddy. Okay. But I'm really interested just because some of those things and seem can to you, be sorry, can you say do you say a Jew or do you say Jewish? Because I would normally say you're Jewish. <laughs> <Was> I <laughs> would I wouldn't say you're a Jew. Did like, that sound offensive? I didn't mean to, to oh, no, be I, offensive. I just I wonder am, what the I would I would say. Can you not say that someone is a Jew? I normally I wouldn't. I would say you're Jewish. I don't have oh. enough Jewish friends to. <laughs> so to I guess tell what, me would the you, way. what would you say? Oh, I'm a Jew. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You but said I'm a it Jew- once I'm upon a Jewish time. Jew. You're a what? I'm a Jewish Jew. What's a Jewish Jew? It's a Jew who's Jewish. Oh. Yeah. Okay. But I'm not. Um, I'm not. I like. I love a bacon cheeseburger. Like, I'm not. I'm not good at following the rules. Right. Yeah. So there's like Orthodox Jew. There's like those that follow the rules of. Yeah. Judaism of being kosher and all yes. the laws That's and all like the rules. And then there's some that and culturally yeah, Jew, right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, some of these these things just I don't know, how do you put in this day and age where people identify, right? They right. identify by one word or two words. There's not one of those that fit for you because if you say I'm a Republican, mm-hmm. people are going to get freaked out when they find out that you're gay. Mm-hmm. When you say that you're gay, they're going to get freaked out when you say that you're Republican. Right, and I, I, I find this so much in my weird little worlds because in you know, my Republican world, I can't, <laughs> I can't be too funny and I can't be too gay or bi or whatever, queer. I can't be too much of that. But in my comedic world, I can't be too much Republican and I also <laughs> really can't be too much queer, bi, gay, whatever. And then in the gay world, you could not be a Republican. Yeah. So it is like, oh my God. I, it's like, do you have a home in any of these no. groups? And it's exhausting. <laughs> and it's like, it's, it really is because it's like, I'm not doing this as a circus show, which contrary to popular belief, I am all these things, but it's like, there isn't, there isn't really a home. So you, I'm constantly, and I'm, this is just a very honest moment, but I'm constantly feeling like I have to play different characters of myself on different stages all the time, which mm-hmm. is exhausting. Um, 
And I'm lucky enough to have friends that transcend the spectrum of everything that are just like, well, I guess you are what you are. And that's, that's just what it is, which is exactly how I wish everyone just treated everyone is that these categories that we, we feel like we have to proclaim become such an anticlimactic event that you're just, okay. Oh yeah. Unless you're just a real asshole about something then you can, why can't you just be these things and, you know, there was a day, and I don't you know, preach you, but there was a day not that long ago where we were just neighbors. We were on mm-hmm. the bowling leagues together, and we were on the, you know, the people on the PTA or the Elks Club or the, you know, the Rotary, and it was just like... Now they're qualifiers or disqualifiers. For everything. And it's like people can walk down the neighborhood, well, that's where the Republicans live or the mm-hmm. Democrats live in the neighborhood, and, you know, we don't talk to them. And it's like, it's it's so frustrating because we have, we all have so much in common. We just spent, I have no idea how you guys vote or whatever, but we all spent almost an hour or not more talking about food. We all eat, we all drink, we all like to listen to music, we love to go dance. And it's like, yeah, that these these to me are far more important things than what little bubble we check a name next to on a ballot every two years. I'm trying to decide how I feel about you. It's... <laughs> Well, no, like you said. How you feel about Amos in general? Like, how do I empathize with you, I'm Amos? Tr- it's it, you had said it's tiring, and I get it. Like, none of those groups, when they find out the other camp that you mm-hmm. break bread with, you said that they're all a little bit uncomfortable yeah, with, with some of those you things. Can sit with us anymore? So I think, yeah, like that must be exhausting to have to play to each of those groups. But then maybe an alternative perspective might be, I don't know, you you have a pretty good footprint. You have ends with a lot of different groups and people. Yeah, and that's just sort of been my, luckily, and I'm very grateful for it, that's sort of been my experience throughout my life is that I've never felt like the center of any one group, but I am constantly on the periphery of a lot of them. Yeah. And finding something to connect with someone about because I kind of have all these different camps that I can claim, I guess. So do you have any examples of times when you've proclaimed one of your, I don't know what the term, your identity. Your, your title. Your mm-hmm. titles, your words, your qualifiers, when someone has been surprised, oh, I knew that you were gay, but I didn't know that you mm-hmm. were this or that. Right. What have you done? What's an example of that? Um, Without naming names. Sure. People, I mean, there's or been... Name, s- no, or name people. It's no, but, like, <laughs> but I'm curious, what there's, do you say to try to open their minds into reconcile ideas? Well, there was a time where I literally couldn't escape it. In, in my, my day job now where I work very politically adjacent, it's a lot easier. But when I... I was the executive director of the Idaho Republican Party. That was my job. So yeah. I ran the Republican Party in the state. Um, so it was like I couldn't. Sorry, um, I don't mean to laugh. I know, but I'm it, just trying to imagine you having to navigate see? that. Oh yeah, I know it, it really is, and like I was trying to imagine it too because there was a time, and this is real. There was a time I was the Jewish, you know, bisexual Republican comedian who was dating a black woman and a gay man all at the same <laughs> time while I was running the Republican Party in the state. It made no sense to me. I no woke up every day and was like, "What you. is this life?" But you know, when I was in kind of queer spaces and would say, well, this is what I do, it would mostly would be like, how or why? It was always just like, how, how could you? Mm. And it's like, because I think 
we need to have you know a less centralized government and lower taxes and need to be more responsible with how we spend our money and you know we we i think local control is better mm-hmm. you know and it's like but i also think individual responsibility means that we leave each other the hell alone and let each other make decisions that can that be an its own party just whatever you just described can we just make a new one connect yeah i I feel a little partyless at 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 times now um because we've gotten to such fringes on both sides but so do you vote party line mostly is that too direct no that's i think it's a totally fair question mostly i do there was some you know i i have overwhelmingly voted republican my my whole time I've, since I I've could vote. Um, and uh, oh, this is really, this is a story for, for another time. My, okay. one of my mentors in life um, is, was Bob Dole. Um, and we had a very weird, uh, but lovely friendship when he was alive. We started out as pen pals. I used to be, the, I was the kid that was watching C-SPAN. So <laughs> I was, I saw his speech his 1996 convention speech at the Republican convention. And I wrote him a letter in 2004 and he immediately wrote me back two weeks later. How old were you? I was, uh, 2004, I was 12. What does a 12 year old say to Bob Dole? I had a lot of questions because my parents are Democrats and I came from a long family of Jewish New York Democrats. So I was like, I've never heard any, you know, uh, anyone say anything nice about Republicans ever. And so when I heard his speech, I was like, oh, all this stuff makes a lot of sense to me. I feel confused. (laughs) I felt it was harder to come out to my parents as a Republican than it was to say, well, I sleep with men. So I, it was like, they were like, how could you be a Republican? But I heard all these ideas and I was really fascinated by it. So he wrote a letter back and I asked him another one and he wrote one back. And then I finally was going to DC to visit family who lived in the area and I wrote him, and it was all by mail, by the way. Even this is after email was invented. Wow. And he said, come to lunch at my office. So I, I had lunch with Bob Dole, and my parents came, and they're like, what the hell are we doing having lunch with Bob Dole? But he was, <laughs> couldn't be more gracious. And then I, was, I became a page at the Republican National Convention, um, and he helped me get there. Uh, he, sent, he sent money and advice and helped fundraise. And we, we had this longstanding friendship back and forth. And, um, and he really was such an inspiration on what I believe in my Republicanism. I was very honored and and flattered to be invited to his funeral, uh, last, last December. Um, and, um, Elizabeth Dole, his wife sent, sent this invitation and, uh, he had me seating five rows behind Bill Clinton and, (laughs) And Mike Pence and Dan Quayle. And I was just like, oh, my God. This friendship really meant something to him, too. And it was just, that's that's why I still am very involved in this party is because I see good men like him who have really inspired me to believe these core good things about community and about America and about supporting each other and relying on community versus a centralized government to get there. And I think that is such a core concept also of the gay community is that we've never been able to trust the government. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we've had to rely on each other and we've had to rely on the community around us to get us by. And so to me, that's sort of a very kind of conservative principle in itself. Mm. The irony is that they, a lot of, a lot of people in the community don't correlate the two, mm-hmm. but um, that was a long winded answer. Well, 
for someone who loves the shades of gray and the nuance, I think that's a beautiful example of finding something wonderful in a friendship with somebody who you may not typically expect to find it in. But I feel like that is the norm. If we were less, if if we were less judgmental and close-minded about somebody with a title, we would, I think, maybe benefit from finding some of these relationships and finding people that we could call mentors and mm-hmm. uh, really find some beautiful things in that aren't necessarily in our camp. Mm-hmm. It'd be so great if we didn't have to ask about the camps until so much further down. Oh, wouldn't that right. be awesome? Like, like, I, like you can't rules. ask all these things until you've known someone for four dinners. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I love just, that. Yeah, you were talking about that. how you like... Uh, I, I don't know. This things are bleeding in. If this was just a conversation we had, or if it was in the podcast, but that you met that guy hunting, and that you guys kind of bonded over hunting, and you'd had like these, you'd helped each other, and you'd broken bread, and then you saw his truck and like all the, the the um, oh. bumper stickers and all that, yeah. and you realize that most likely had you started On with that. that mm-hmm. The, you wouldn't have gotten very far. Yeah, uh, the mountain brought us together before any yeah. of these other things could have driven us apart. I think that we're we're in this culture where we're all kind of in so much anxiety and change, and um, we are grabbing on to titles because it's they're almost like lifelines because we understand our our definitions of those titles. But then what it, it does is it just isolates us. Yeah. And we we don't look past those into the things. Be, honestly, because how you vote, it's great. But it's just like a, one small part. Tiny. And it's like, but but for some reason, we're letting that make us so angry. And mm-hmm. Sorry, what were you saying? I was just going to say, it didn't have to be like, it doesn't have to be like this. It wasn't like this 20 years ago yeah. when, when we grew up. You could have totally different opinions and live next door to somebody who was of a different party with totally different belief sets. But you couldn't unfriend or unfollow them then. That's true. They it, just were your neighbors. Everything's changed. Like, yeah. And we also, like, we we saw people face-to-face, and you're kinder face-to-face. Totally. And now we have this division where we, we don't have to see people's reaction, and I definitely see that on my end, yeah. like, people not understanding... Um, that like I'm a real person, but one of the things I've done like in social media is that I don't talk about how I vote. I have some very strong opinions on it, but that doesn't mean that I have to give them to everyone because they don't want to be judged or the fact that my, my choice, my issues are so diverse into both camps or whatever. Also, I'm like, who the hell is making these camps and why am I letting them make them for me? Like, I'm so excited that you decided that big pile of issues was called red and that big pile of issues was called blue. But I'm just going to pick up the rocks how and make my own pile. Right. And like I don't know who made those piles and good for you and yeah. good on you if it works. Yeah, and and there's a reason by the way that more the fastest growing and I'm air quoting party now is unaffiliated. Mm-hmm. People are very turned off by exactly what you just said. There are more and more people unidentifying politically with a party. I'm a registered member of that camp. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we just had a United States senator. A United All States in senator. In Arizona? In Arizona. Yeah. Chris, Kirsten Cinema. Yeah. She's now nothing. Yeah. She is an independent. So here's a direct question. Sure. Is it, does being in Idaho, 
is it more or less conducive than maybe somebody that might be as varied in your beliefs as if you were somewhere else? Is it easier or harder being here in Idaho? Um, I have my thoughts, but I'm kind of curious what you might say. I think for me, it's a little easier because there's a lot more Republicans than there <laughs> there is people in the queer community. Uh, I think growing up in Oregon, you know, here it's like people people in the Republican Party for a long time have said, "Well, you're you're a rhino, you're a Republican name only." And in in Oregon, where I believe the exact same things I believe here, I was very far right, and now I'm very far to the middle or to the you know to the left of a lot of people, but. Um, but it is definitely a little easier being, I guess, what I am in in sort of a red state than than a blue state because it makes even less sense to more of the communities I think I belong to where I come from in Portland. Right. Yeah. Isn't that so interesting that the culture, like when you've lived in Idaho your whole life, you don't realize like um, how different every part of the country is. Yeah. But I mean, living in Tennessee for so long and then we were always judged – um, by it was very conservative. It was also very Baptist, yes. and then moving to a place and like moving to a place with such with so many Mormons, like it is like going to different cultures within not only in the country but even within Idaho. I mean Boise compared to Meridian oh, compared yeah. to Caldwell, and it's just it, I'm like this is not a good way to judge people. Like there's just so many better ways oh, yeah. to go about it, but it. This simplifies it. I think people are just wanting to simplify their life, but what it's doing is just separating themselves and making them angry. Yeah, I think it's a. I, I'm all about simplification, but I think that there's a point where it gets too far, where it's just us being lazy. It, yeah, that yeah. we have to be willing to give effort and time to understanding people, and to researching issues, and to I don't know reading something as opposed to watching a two minute clip on it. Right. Um, and I think that a lot of people have just chosen to be lazy. There, I said it. I again, again, and we disagree a little bit on that. I just, I don't think it's entirely lazy. I just think we're the first generation that's ever had the entire world information right. in one. Available but we're not forced to, to process everything. But we kind of we, are. No, we're not. I don't know. I, I think, I feel responsible to know what's going on in so many different aspects. That's a, that's absolutely a choice. For generations and eons, there's been more going on than the human mind can comprehend, much much less so a human mind in one locale. And yet we've gotten by and we've gotten to the point that we, we are. I think that we choose to open our minds to the idea that we have to be aware of of everything. And I don't believe that. That's I, me. I, that, and it's that's, not, I don't think we have I'm to at. be aware of everything. I think that all of a sudden we have, we have opened up the floodgates of information. And we're dealing with that flood of like, and in one generation, they're going to have a better idea of how to do it. Yeah. Right now, we open our, our news and we have 17 different outlets that are all kind of spinning things differently. Mm -hmm. And so we're like, okay, so we need to get down to the source, but we need to get down to the source on like 20 different issues. And then when we shut off, then we're like, okay, is this responsible to our community? And we're also comparing ourselves to not just our neighborhood, but like, the entire world in this yeah. level of success. And I think right now we're just kind of coping a little bit. And so I want to have some grace for the fact that we are the first generation in 10,000 years that's dealing with an entire new way of communication and bringing, bringing information in. At the same time, we're failing pretty miserably. Yeah, so we, are. we are doing and a really shit job. And we, we are. And the thing is also, it's very hard 
even for for me who reads news and writes writes in the newspaper and all this a lot of times it's very hard to separate opinion from fact because so much opinion is presented as facts and as news who were we listening to recently that was saying exactly this it's like it is that the average american cannot tell the difference between a slanted um uh, opinion piece or an advertisement with a scholarly article yeah they just don't know because the the lines have become so massed yes. so blurry and the entire job and this is this is real it was i don't know roughly a decade ago when fox and cnn and msnbc got rid of most of their news production team and news editing team and brought in hollywood producers because News now has to be entertaining. You have to be entertained. They have to have eyes on their, on their shows because it's it runs on 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 ads. Like every other cable channel, it runs on advertisements. So if you're bored watching the news, that's you know what PBS. You know when people think of PBS, it's like well, it's just the news, right? That's what news used to be. But now they have to keep your eyes on at all times. You have to be upset. You have every if you notice on, on on CNN and a lot of these channels, everything is breaking news. There's yeah. no way everything is breaking news. <laughs> not everything is important. What is not breaking news? Right, exactly. These days. Everything is breaking. I got so I guess it was a few years back. I would get so angry. Like I was reading CNN, I was reading Fox, I was reading Reuters, I was reading everything. Like I was trying to I was trying to sample all the areas to try to boil it down into an average of what was actually happening. And it, I was unsuccessful in doing it. Yeah. I just found myself being irritable and anxious and upset at people all the time. I don't do that anymore. Yeah. But that's me. That's my personal choice. I barely check the news. My life is getting by pretty, pretty well. I mean, I feel pretty, pretty good about my place in my community and what I'm doing. But yeah. But I'm not nearly as angry. Well, I am angry. I'm angry at the news outlets, mm-hmm. the media. I'm. I do get angry at people sometimes for, I don't know, yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, like, <laughs> it's it's like, it's it's crazy. We can have, and it, that's I think it really has, and this is goes another topic, but the news and the way it's presented has caused I think a lot of serious mental distress, and anxiety, and anger, and sadness, and disappointment. Because we all watch just tragedy after tragedy happening around the world because that's what keeps us glued. And then, you know, they'll end with one positive little news segment about like a turtle doing a dance with a cat at a zoo. And you're like, well, that's your happy news for the day. I know. <laughs> Back to a tornado ripping mm. apart a city. It's, it, it's like, <laughs> and we're all stressed out about like, well, what, what if that happens here? What if it's, you know? So, what is the, what, what's the answer to that? Like, what have you found that, that's helped you get through that. Cause like we're just this generation that's learning. Xanax. Xanax. <laughs> I mean, it's really, it, yeah, it really is. I, I think, um, it's really, and I'm very, I mean, I'll be, I'll be straight up. I have to, I've had to talk about this with my shrink. I like, I, I, it really is being very cognizant of the nice moments in the day mm-hmm. that have nothing to do with the news a nice text from someone just being like, Hey, thinking of you or just someone being polite, just these moments of humanity and pleasant interaction that are just like, Oh yeah, these, these still exist too. Yeah. And it's, it's as simple and, and 
you know, unhigh tech as it comes is just someone waving, someone being polite. I mean, those are the things that just get me through because we expect everything to be a disaster now almost with, with how everything's presented to us. And then we see these moments of humanity and you're like, Oh yeah, that's really nice. And those still exist. Think about how awesome Idaho would be if people watched the news less. Who was it that was telling us the other day, this woman that thought that everybody was flirting with her, but her husband had to say, no, 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 no. It, you're in Idaho. They're just being nice. Yeah. No, that was somebody <laughs> I worked with yesterday. Yeah. It was funny. I thought that was a great story. I think that like, I've noticed that I had to be very intentional with that myself, especially because I work in social media. So it's not like I can shut off. Sure. Um, and I did find some news outlets that like online that were a little different. They were just, it's just the news. It's been kind of interesting. But I had to really separate everything into two camps, which sounds bad to say that, but like everything in the world to me could go down to, to two things, what I can control and what I can't control. Right. And I, so I started to think, okay, I need to be aware of what I can't control. I, I need to yeah. be aware of those things. But if I can't control it, then I can't let it infect me. I just need to be aware. But when I see what I can control, which is I can be kind, I can bring good to my sphere. Right. That changed things for me that changed how I did social media in my job because I thought I can't help the women in Iran I can't help but I can be aware and I can be grateful for what I have mm -hmm. and I can promote gender equality in my sphere that's what I could do right I can't help Ukraine like I can't be there however I was given opportunity here um, to help the refugees that are coming from Ukraine. I can, um, I have um, control on that. And it allowed me to have just a little bit of sanity because yeah. when I realized that my sphere, I have so much control of and control for good, it brought me into the space of like, it's okay because in my sphere, I'm doing everything I can. Yeah, And uh, it helped me you know, not need the Xanax so quite so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's really, um, there is a very important part of being able to put a limit on what you can do and being okay with that. Um, yeah. Because I think because we are so inundated with tragedy and disaster and one thing after another that seems so impossible, we as human beings are naturally people who want to, we are animals that want to fix things. Mm -hmm. We have the mental capacity to fix things. We have the physical ability to fix things. And um, to be able to fix small things around us, uh, to be able to be in a, a beautiful home and, and feel like I've made this a place of peace for people who come in and who, uh, for myself, and they get to be in something peaceful. Um, to be able to bring, you know, cookies and 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 food to work and make people happy. I mean, it's it, you're not changing the world, but you are changing what you are living in. And to be able to be okay with that can be very hard because we all want to make everything better everywhere. Um, but to be able to be comfortable in that while being aware of everything else is a hard thing and delicate thing to balance, but I think will make us all a little less 
anarchy. Yeah, that's I, so beautiful. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And Natalie, you and I talk about that. I think that you get strung out often uh, just by being aware of everything that's happening outside of our sphere of in, of influence. But I think that you, that we do a lot of good here, and you do a ton of good here. Yeah. And that's something to take comfort in is knowing that, you know, I may not be able to affect Europe, but I can affect Meridian. Yeah. And Boise. You know, I think there are a lot more people who really do feel this frustration with camps, frustration with titles. I think the problem we have is that there's not a camp to yell at. Yeah. And that the more I talk about this, like on my page and the more I hear it, the more I realize that I think it's the majority. Yeah. I really think the majority of Idahoans, at least, don't want camps. They just want neighbors and community. But because they're not going to a large church and they're not going to a rally, their voice is not heard. Right. But or I, they're not speaking up. Like it, we were talking in the last podcast about um, the support for Alyankas and, you know, during the Russian Ukraine situation, that I don't know. So there was something about food that got people speaking common sense. Right. They were willing to support Elena in her restaurant because she's a good person. The title of Russian didn't really matter that much. What is it that gets people out of their comfort zones and makes them willing to speak up for common sense? I don't know. I think there, there's a, a lot of fear, meal. though. People yeah. who yell about camps are often violent and are um, not yielding and not listening. And there's fear when there's um, when there are people in the camps who will defend their beliefs in inappropriate ways what and is, and that's a real fear for sure what is it about like and i don't want to offend but i probably will but like it's often most of the violence comes from those that have the strongest convictions yeah. of their beliefs yeah. they're not flexible in what they believe they're very black and white and very one way and they're gonna be violent if they if they have to because they don't want to continue to learn. They already know 100% truth. 100% truth, belief on 100% truth has moved us to almost every atrocity that humans are right. guilty of oh, committing. Yeah. And But it's easy because you don't have to think anymore. Right. And that's when tragedy happens. When you've decided this is the way the world works and you mistake the keyhole that you're looking into reality as a window into the universe... That is where uh, violence and hatred, that's where it's formed. But when you realize that you are one small keyhole looking into reality and you don't understand history and you don't understand everyone's culture and you realize you're just learning, that's when you're able to humble yourself into knowing, yeah. I've got a long way to go to understanding the world. Right. Right. Boy, we've been all over the map. But, <laughs> but man, thanks a lot for being a cool guy. Well, thank you for... Yeah. Let me hang out with you. Yeah, let's have, okay. And Garfield Day Gar is happening. Garfield Day is happening. I'm thinking February. See the last podcast, everybody. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thank All you. Right. All right. Talk to you later. Good night. Bye. Thanks for listening. This is the Boise Bubble Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave a five star review. Follow us on Instagram at the Boise Bubble. And for more information about our community, follow at Hello Meridian. See you next time. The Boise Bubble Podcast is sponsored by Volkswagen of Boise.
Interested in buying a Volkswagen in the Treasure Valley? Head to www.volkswagenofboise.com to learn more.